for me, you know, having a coach isn't because something's broken. It isn't because something's completely irreparable. You know, bring it back to the analogy that gets used a lot in business or gets used a lot in sports is the best performers are the people with the most support, with the most coaching, with the most well-resourced team around them. Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello, welcome to the HEW podcast. My name is Lauren Brady and today I am coming to you for my first solo recording uh, to introduce myself and hopefully so a lot of the audience can get to know me a little bit better. Um, first of all, let me start with the name. So there's a lot of people who might be um, listening thinking Lauren Brady, my name was Lauren O'Brien. Um, I recently got married in the last few months. Um, so still getting th- uh, used to the name change myself. Still have to giggle every time that I say it, but that's getting less and less. So what I wanted to talk about today, going from being the person being coached, um, and I hired HEW and worked directly with Helen um, over the last 18 months, two years, and have just come on board in the last six weeks um, as one of the coaching team. So on the first step, it was it was really explaining the steps and how you go from one to the other. For me, it's probably just getting to know a little bit about my background and my personal story. Um, and if that helps people understand and identify with me, um, then I really look forward to sharing more of my experience. Uh, I hesitate to use the word journey because it's, it kind of makes me cringe, but we'll go with it for podcast land. So it was just the other day, actually, that I, I did a post on my personal social media pages. Um, I had to laugh at myself uh, because those who know me well, um, who were very supportive, and I had lots of lovely uh, feedbacks and comments um, and private messages that came through, will know that it's something that doesn't come too easy for me. Um, HEW has a huge uh, presence online. Helen is an absolute um, warrior and leader with her social media, with the brand social media, and with her confidence to speak her message and her truth and all of her learnings out there. Uh, I'm starting with being really open, honest, and pretty vulnerable. Is that It's not as easy for me. Um, and I'm going to go through a little bit about where I've come from as the client to the coach and maybe fill in some of those blanks. So I'm not going to rehash the whole episode that is number 56. Uh, back in October, uh, Helen asked me if I would go on as a client perspective onto the podcast and just explain a little bit about why I decided to hire a coach and what benefits I'd, I'd got from it. And, you know, I really did. You know, I'm such a, a genuine advocate, uh, not just for Helen, but for personal development and coaching as a whole. So I'm not going to rehash everything on that episode. But if you want to have a bit of a nosy at that, please do go back to episode number 56 and have a listen. It was recorded in October. Um, we just got back of our honeymoon, actually. I think it, it was like five, six days later. And me and Helen sat down and had a coffee in Manchester. Uh, and we were talking about, you know, my client journey. I actually didn't know at the time exactly what was ahead for me. I knew that changes were probably a thought. I was in a really interesting role 
working within a, a project management perspective and I knew the project that I was on was coming towards an end but I didn't know what that meant in terms of staying with that organization or moving on it was at the end of 2019 literally you know as the year wrapped up you know I ended my employment uh, with a brilliant company who you know for me it was a it was a really big decision because uh, I loved the people I loved so much of my work but I kind of knew in my belly it was time for a change and time for me to step up onto the next platform for myself and develop and grow in the next level but for me coaching has actually been something that I've been doing since I was 2021 I started out as a self-employed person and um, doing sales 100% commission direct sales like this wasn't anything you know in a nice cozy office with a, a, a lead generation or a you know a book of people that were existing customers this was real cold sales uh, earning every penny um, and I absolutely loved it. And so that was the start of my career as a self-employed person. And then I started building a sales team and a sales force from being 2021. So I'd always been in a, a coaching capacity for as long as I could remember. It had uh, it came in different guises, in different roles, but I've always managed people. I've always been responsible for leading a team uh, and for you know coaching them, whether it be on skill set mindset company and culture organization all the different things so um, it was something that I've, I've been around and a part of for many many years uh, the funny thing was about maybe two three four years ago people had started to say to me in different capacities you know you'd be really good at this or you'd be really good at that uh, and I realized that you know it was said um you know, in quite a lighthearted manner and, you know, was meant as a compliment. Um, but I'd been told a couple of times, you would be good as my life coach. Now, the word life coach is a massive trigger for me, and I'm going to explain that uh, as we go in this conversation. But what I've broken it down to is there was probably five reasons why I resisted taking the leap into this industry as a coach. And then there was five reasons why I decided to give it a go and give it everything I had. So I'm very much a uh, logical bullet point person so I'll just whack straight into them so number one the reason I, res I resisted becoming a, a business coach or a personal development coach a performance coach whatever word you want to put in front of the word coach um was mainly down to I think imposter syndrome this is something I think lots of people have heard the term if not you know it's another conversation and probably a whole other episode for another day but what it basically means is feeling like the role that you're in or that the um, activity that you're taking place in, you don't feel like you really should be doing it. You feel like an imposter. You feel like, you, you know, you're kind of faking it. You feel like a fraud or you feel like you're going to get caught out. This was something I worked on directly with Helen when I was a client because statistics and lots of research shows that women suffer with this um, more than men, as, you know, as a generalization. But it is not exclusive to just females. There's many people in different guises who suffer with it. And when, the reason I use the word suffer, not to sound too dramatic, is because it's something that can really get under your skin and it can really stop you from taking action and really stop you from moving forward. For me, the way this presented itself is I often just felt like I was winging it. I felt like, you know, I was kind of faking it until I make it I was giving stuff a shot I was doing things you know on a on a on a desire to get it done but not really knowing what I was doing and what it fed into for me was are you sure you know what you're doing are you sure you should be taking that decision what are 
other people going to think if you do that and you don't get the right result or if you fail? So the whole sort of conundrum of imposter syndrome for me was something that I, you know, we really chunked down when I was a client working directly with Helen and we really went into it. But it was something that's held me back from making change and from taking leaps in my career many, many times. The second reason I resisted um, was this idea that things had to be perfect. So this is something it's a big pillar of HEW when we talk about progress over perfection. This was something, again, that when I broke it down and started to look at it, um, I mentioned this in the episode that we did back in October. Um, I take full responsibility for how it transpired in my career and as an adult, but it was something that was said to me a lot as a kid. If you're not going to do it right, don't bother doing it at all. And it's funny, since, you know, episode 56 went out, um, I've had a couple of family members who we've exchanged really funny messages where they're like, oh, my God. All of our parents said that to us, all of my aunties and uncles. And what they meant, and in the, truly in the, in, the, in the loveliest form, is they meant give everything your all. If you're going to do something, roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. And both sides of my, you know, my mum's family and my dad's family, we totally, you know, that's the way that we were brought up and that's within our spirit. But for me, what it came back to kind of bite me in the butt was, if I'm not going to do it absolutely perfectly, don't bother doing it at all. And, you know, this is something that was a real it was a real issue for me to get out my own way with, because when is anything perfect and when is anything truly finished? And it's interesting that, you know, as I've got a bit older and as I've gone through different things in life, you know, to give you an example, we bought our first home together, myself and my, my now husband, um, you know, almost 18 months, two years ago. Wow, it's gone so quick. And, you know, when we moved in, we like, we're like, you know, we're going to do this in this room and we're going to do this in this part of the house. And, you know, you have this big list, you know, that you have that you want to do. And it wasn't like a massive renovation job or anything. But, you know, there's plenty of stuff to get stuck into, you know, and then real life gets in the way. Then you start pricing things up and you start working around all the commitments that you've got with your career or your family. And then, you know, a year goes by and you're like, God, yeah, we never finished that thing on the stairs. And, you know, that, um you know, that tile in the bathroom, yeah, we still need to get someone back to help us finish that. And it's kind of like you go, God, I realise how now, as I got older, nothing's ever finished fully. Nothing's ever completely done in the in the exact timescale that you wanted it to be done in. You know, I can't tell you how many goals that I've set and I've said, I want to achieve this goal by this date. And I go, okay, I've hit the goal, but I hit it three months later or six months later or a year later. But the idea being is that I still hit the goal or I still got to the destination that I wanted to get to. But in my mind, I was often holding myself back from lots and lots of things, including becoming a coach, because I was like, well, if I can't get it perfect and if I can't get it done by this time, then I'm not going to bother doing it at all. And it's kind of the equivalent of going, if I can't win, you know, the game of football, then I'm picking up my ball and I'm leaving the pitch and I'm not even playing at all. So that was something that really held me back. Okay, the third thing I resist, reason I resisted, and I, I mentioned it there before, is because I absolutely despise the word life coach. Now, this one I'm sure I'm probably going to go off on many tangents about, but it triggers me like mad. And the reason being is because for me, when I hear someone say life coach, uh, I literally do like Joey from Friends inverted commas when I do it. And it, it makes me roll my eyes and it brings out this kind of um, image in my mind of someone you know, thinking that they're a guru and thinking that they know everything. And that for me was just, it just completely turned me off the idea of taking this step forward. So I had to go back and look at it and go, hold on a minute. The reason that this 
title or this wording annoys you it's because of perception that you have and it's just my interpretation to it but when I thought about it more and when I looked into it a little bit deeper I suppose for me the word life coach makes me think that someone's going to tell me how to live life better and in no way or in not any universe that I'm aware of do I want to be the person who goes I can tell you how to live life perfectly because I've got it all figured out and the other thing that ties into it is because I think if I hear the word life coach, it means that I'm helping you fix life because life's already broken. And I couldn't disagree with that more. So for me, you know, having a coach isn't because something's broken. It isn't because something's completely, you know, irreparable. You know, bring it back to the analogy that, you know, gets used a lot in business or gets used a lot in sports is the best performers are the people with the most support with the most coaching, with the most um, well-resourced team around them. You know, again, the Tiger Woods example is one that I used to hear all the time in the industry that I came from, is that he has got, you know, somebody to help him with his swing. He's got someone to help him with his nutrition. He's got someone to help him with his mentality. He's got someone who coaches him, um, you know, in his overall fitness. He's got someone who coaches him in every area of his profession to make sure that he's the best he can possibly be. So. I totally believed in that um, methodology and in that thinking that a coach is not someone that you hire because you're broken and it's not something, uh, a decision that you take because everything's gone wrong. For me, it was the other way. It's gone, okay, so things have got to, you know, this level and they're going well and I've got to, you know, this level of performance or this level of success or whatever, you know, you want to label, you want to post on it, but I want more. So let me, let me work with someone. Let me hire someone who'll help me get more. So to go back around to the the reason the word life coach triggers the shit out of me is because it implied to me someone who was going to teach me how to do life better. And so I was resistant for a long time because, uh, yeah, as I think you've probably got the, uh, the hold on, I really despise the word life coach. OK, the fourth one was opinions of others. So um, this is actually one of the most natural things in the world. And I think, you know, everybody can identify with at some point in their life. The reason I've said it's the most natural thing is because as humans, you know, we are designed to live in packs. We're designed to live uh, with people. We're not meant to, or I say meant to, we're not designed to live in total isolation or without other people, you know, from the beginning of time to whenever. So we are actually meant to be around others. So to be able to fit into, you know, that pack or that crowd and to stay alive and to stay safe and, you know, all those other things, you know, we have to make sure that we fit into the group. For me, how that transpired, though, is I probably gave too much weight and, and cared a little bit too much about other people's opinions and, yeah, let their thinking or let their ideas and sometimes their limitations or their values or their beliefs sink into me to the point that I wasn't clear in my own thinking or my own decision making. So because of the opinions of others and because of that fear of judgment, Rather than it keeping me safe, it was keeping me small and it was keeping me from trying things, you know, and taking, yeah, taking leaps into other areas. One of the things that always uh, stands out for me is I took a trip in 2009. I was flying to New Zealand to see some family for a few months and do some, some traveling uh, in Asia after that. And I was in Manchester Airport. So, I mean, I had left my family like two hours before. And here was me thinking, I'm going to do this great big trip. I'm going to learn so much. And two hours later, I'm in Manchester Airport having this really great conversation with this couple who were flying probably to see 
I think, a son or a daughter who had emigrated to New Zealand. And we were just chatting and, you know, I was asking him different things and he was asking me why I was going traveling on my own. And I said, you know, I've finished up at a certain point in my career, just taking a breather before I decide what to do. And this conversation went round and he was giving me kind of, I suppose, a little bit of life advice. And he said to me, you know, one thing I wish I, I could have got my head around when I was younger. And I was like, go on. And he said, the opinions that other people have of me are none of my business. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, OK, and not really getting it. And then, you know, probably going away and thinking about it a bit more later on. And then I think I actually heard it in a book or on a, a podcast or something, you know, years later. And I remembered back to this guy in Manchester Airport. And I just had to giggle to myself that I was going traveling, you know, for two, three, four months, you know, to kind of get a bit of a break and have a think. And one of the most profound things I remember was the trip <laughs> from the trip is, the, you know, the first two hours in Manchester Airport. But in terms of opinions of others, that's that's what I try and remind myself now when I get stuck in that cycle again of not doing something because of what other people may think. Lots of people will have opinions, whether it be about you know, the choices I make um, in relationships, in my family life, in my career, in my health, in my hobbies, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. But what someone else's opinion is of me genuinely is none of my business. That's their opinion. That's shaped by their experience, their point in life, their perspective at that very point. So that's their opinion. And they're, like I say, they're entitled to it, but it's none of my business what it is the opinion I have of myself and the opinion I have of my actions and, you know, my decisions, I, I've got, I've got to focus on that and I've got to give a shit about that more than anything. And I suppose the fifth reason why I resisted, um, was safety. Um, for a long time I was, um, in a very, so it's safe might sound like an odd word, but, you know, I worked for a company where I had an established reputation, uh, great people, there was lots of opportunity, things change regularly. So there was different projects to work on, different countries to be in, and um, different aspects of the business that were growing. But I felt safe in the fact that, you know, I knew that I worked hard, I knew I was committed, I knew I was good at the jobs that I, you know, applied myself to. Um, I had a good steady income, and yeah, you know, I, I was safe in the fact that, you know, I'd been there for, you know, um, a, a, a decent amount of years and uh, yeah, things were good. So why would I take a step off that? And why would I throw myself into the uncertainty of, you know, going back to being self-employed and, you know, exposing myself, like I say, to opinions, to criticisms, to failure. And again, through coming through the coaching with Helen directly, um, it was really good for me to un unlayer that that thought process and that reason behind it, which was that, you know, how much safety is there ever in giving all the control to somebody else? I, you know, I do believe in myself, you know, a word that Helen or a phrase that Helen uses a lot is back yourself. And this was something that really stuck with me uh, over the period of coaching that we did together. And so, yeah, it was that safety that kept me there, but then made me realize the best safety I had was in backing myself and, you know, being committed to my decision and moving forward. So, why I decided to go from client into coaching um, you know, five, five things that I could um, put down in paper. So the first one is, you know, I am empathetic, but I am direct. It's something someone once described it as uh, 
you know, like Lauren, if I'm talking to you and I'm asking for your opinion or for your perspective, uh, I know I'm going to get a cuddle, but it's going to be followed up with a punch. And so I think that's a compliment. Uh, I don't know, but it, it, I, I understand what they were saying. I, what I realized was that I was doing this a lot anyway. Um, you know, I was getting good at um, being able to remove myself from the situation, look at all angles, look at the different perspectives, see if there was anything, you know, that we could implement. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of conversations I was having without oversharing with different friends or, uh, you know, a couple of family members. Um, and what I realized is that I was probably having these coaching conversations by default. And I was like, ah, OK, I, I think I'd actually be able to have these in a more structured level. I think I'd really like to get good at it. I'd really like to get stuck in like say, and, and come off that safety side that I just mentioned and jump in and really go for it. The second reason I decided to um, to give everything a go was because um, I really do love learning. I'm truly a geek at heart. Um, and I I'm you know, it's funny as you get to a certain stage, maybe it is age or maybe for me it was experience. Um, I realized that I will want to continue to grow and develop. And I do want to keep feeding my brain and I do want to keep increasing my skill set and, you know, the knowledge that I have in this area. So, again, one of the things that, you know, when I talked about the uh, perfectionism that, you know, was holding me back or that imposter syndrome, what I did realize is that I can only ever coach and I can only ever implement to the level I'm at today. And so what I mean by saying that I really do love learning and I do really love, you know, the growth aspect of this industry and what I can do to work directly with clients or partnerships or, you know, groups in work workshops is I, I'm fully accepting of the fact that I can only coach today to the level that I am at today, to the knowledge that I have today, to the experience I have today. And I suppose once I made peace with that, it really gave me the confidence to go, yeah, just get stuck in and get going. You can do what you can to the level you're at today. But because I really do love, you know, the learning aspect and the development and all the, you know, the skills and the new ideas that come up, you know, month on month, year on year, is I know that I'll coach at this level I'm at today. But in six months time or in 12 months time or in a few years time, I know because I'm going to continue developing that the level I'll coach to will continue to develop too. Um, the third thing uh, that gave me the confidence is because of the coaching work I did um, with Helen myself is I really established my own values and I really established my own goals. By doing this, I really stopped looking so much at what other people think I should do. So not totally, you know, I'm, I'm like I say, I'm, I'm fully aware that I'm not the finished product. You know, as I said, what is ever finished, what is ever perfect? But what I realize is that what other people think I should do is their opinion. But I really looked at now and go, I know what my values are. I know what my goals are. I know what my intention is. So by really getting that crystal clear, it meant that I, I could take away any of the noise, any of that white noise surrounding my decision making. OK, number four and five are pretty interlinked, but I, I broke them down for this reason. Um, I was actually going to become a teacher. That was the plan anyway. So, again, episode 56, I talk a little bit about this. Um, but when I was starting my degree, when I was walking into university, I was doing my degree in theology and philosophy uh, to do three years um, research-based degree, then with a fourth-year PGC to convert into high school um, teaching. So I remember clearly being probably eight or nine years of age and, and knowing that I wanted to become a teacher. And so that was something that was always in my mind going through my, uh, you know, going through my studies. And then 
when I got to A level, I remember picking out the different subjects. And it's so funny because looking back now and connecting the dots, it all seems to make sense. But at the time, I just thought it was quite random. But I ended up doing an A level in sociology. And at the time, I think I can't think who it was, but someone, again, someone's opinion influencing my thought process had said, oh, one of the ologies, you know, theology, sociology, and it kind of made like a a bit of a detrimental dig saying, you know, it wasn't a, well, it wasn't a science or it wasn't a mathematics or it wasn't a literature. Uh, I was kind of like, you know, talking it down a little bit. And I remember at the time kind of hearing it and listening to that and thinking, it was a bit of a strange thing for someone to say to me, but then, you know, I, I brushed it off. But as it turned out, I really, really loved sociology. I, I think I got an A in my A-level, you know, without a huge amount of, you know, push or effort from my side. But the reason this ties into me to the teaching is that I really do love studying humans. I always love the aspect of, you know, why do people behave in that way? Uh, you know, how does the environment impact people? How does community impact people? How do the different places that people are born into or brought up in and all of those things? And I remember specifically when I was studying um, you know, certain parts of the A-level curriculum. Um, I, I just could have read it all day long. So when I look at that now and I put it together, the idea that I wanted to be a teacher and that I loved studying humans, for, as I say, working backwards and putting those dots together, that makes perfect sense to me now as to, you know, why I find humans and, and coaching so interesting. And I suppose the last point and point number five, this is um, it's a saying that I heard um, from a guy who I really respect and who I've listened to has been someone who I've learned so much from over the past 12 months. Um, he's an Irish uh, fitness um, expert. Uh, he does lots of endurance races and lots of like triathlons, like more than triathlons, to be fair. He does like some of the hardest endurance races in the world. Um, he's a, a, a man by the name of Brian Keane who I totally recommend if anyone wants to have a, a quick Google of him and look at his podcast. But he says this saying all the time, and it really struck, stuck with me. And his saying is, your mess becomes your message. So let me explain it in the simplest way I can. And again, sorry for anyone as you get to know me, I'm just going to speak how I would normally speak. He basically says, when you fucked some stuff up yourself, you then know how to fix it. So that then becomes the thing that you are able to help other people with. And I remember hearing this in so many different contexts. You know, this is, again, he was talking from a sports perspective. Uh, he's someone who plays a lot of uh, Gaelic football. Uh, say he does lots of long distance endurance racing. And he was like, because I've done all of these sporting um, events and I've, I've, I've messed up so many of them, or I've, I say that in the loosest term, because I haven't succeeded at everything I've attempted, but then I've gone back and kept trying and then I've gone back and learned again and gone back and found another way and found a solution and found a way around it. The mess that it may have seemed at the beginning, i.e. the not getting it right first time, the figuring out how to you know, get the solution or getting through the, you know, the crazy bit where, you know, your head's about to spin off or you're injured or whatever it may be, because you get through the mess, the message of the other side of it, the outcome, the other side of the obstacle becomes what you can teach and it, it becomes you know something that you can actually pass on to others so for me you know I, 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 if I can relate this back to where I've come from and where I am today you know my first role as I mentioned was uh, in a sales capacity so I actually walked into the sales role and found it dead easy you know I'm 
there's, there's no way to say it without sounding like a bit of an arsehole is that I was just, oh, okay, so this is the product. Yeah, that's a really good product. I believe in that. Go speak to lots of people, Lauren. Okay, some will say no, some will say yes. The more people you speak to, the more I'll say yes. I was like, cool, got my head around it. And maybe it was my age. I was, you know, I was full of confidence, full of beans, full of energy. It didn't bother me when people said no, because someone told me, you go speak to lots of people, 70, 80, 90% will say no, but the 10, 20, 30% will say yes, they're the people you're after. So I just did it. And I just went and spoke to loads of people, did it with a smile on my face, you know, did it with a ton of enthusiasm. And to be honest, found sales really easy. I found, I think I found sales easy because I have quite a lot of natural enthusiasm. I genuinely like people. As I mentioned about the sociology thing, I find humans really interesting. So when I was selling to people, I thought this was just like one massive big human experiment. And I was like, this is cool. So when it came to me training my first few people on sales, I was absolutely terrible. And the reason I was so terrible is because I didn't think it was hard at all. So when people couldn't make small chat or couldn't read a customer's body language and know when to leave them alone, like, you know, this customer's not into it, mate. You just need to walk away. Don't be an arse. Don't over push. Don't do any of that stuff. You just need to walk away. So because I didn't struggle, I was a really bad sales trainer. And I remember getting super frustrated. And, you know, I remember someone who was much more experienced than me going, Lauren, you're going to struggle with this for a while because you you've never struggled with sales. So how do you teach someone something that you just kind of picked up naturally, understood it, read the situation and went with it? So I was a terrible first time sales trainer. But once I understood that because I'd never broken it down, you know, I, there's loads of things that I sucked at first time, like so many, you know, one of the things that I, one of my goals, for example, in the future is to learn um, some languages. Um, I remember trying to learn um, Spanish and French in school. And even though, you know, I passed all the exams and got certificates, blah, blah, blah. I found it really frustrating because I couldn't get it right first time. So again, I picked up my ball and instead of playing football with the other kids, I took it and I left. That was my attitude when I was learning languages. I couldn't get it first time. So I just didn't bother doing it. Whereas now if I look back, I could go back and talk to, you know, 12 year old or 14 year old me I'd be like, you're finding this frustrating because you want everything to be perfect first time. Stop. You're just going to have to be crap at it for a while. You're going to have to muddle through it and you will get better on it. But take your time. Be patient. Keep applying yourself. So for me, I think the biggest thing that, you know, gave me the confidence to take the step into, you know, development and uh, business coaching is that. I know I've made loads of mistakes. I know I've had loads of messes that I've had to come through and I've had to work through. None of it I've come through or worked through uh, with luck. No one has, you know, sprinkled dust on it and just made the problems and situations go away. I've learned myself that, you know, picking your ball up and leaving and having a sulk isn't going to get you anywhere. The problem is still there when you go back to it. Um, but my mindset has has been shaped, as I said, you know, with reference to me being a bit of a geek and, you know, the learning that I love is that I do attack things like a student. Um, it's something that I've seen over the last few years um, when I've had different challenges and different uh, things that I've set out to do is I treat everything a little bit like I'm going into a classroom, like it's a degree subject or something that I'm going to have to pass a test in. I like to read the books. I like to listen to the podcasts. I like to go to seminars. I like to I like to take in as much information as I can. And for me, that's works because I know that I'm not going to figure anything out just by wishing it so I know that I'm not going to change anything or or get real traction or get movement just because I want it you know just setting the goal 
isn't enough. You know, lots of people set goals at the beginning of January. Lots of people sit down in uh, business meetings and have objectives. Setting the goal isn't enough. You have to then work out how to get through it. You have to break it down. You have to know what the process is. You have to know what hurdles you're going to come up against. You have to know all the things that are going to stop you doing the things that you said you were going to do when you when you decided that you, you wanted to do them. So for me, it's the mess becomes your message. I believe in so much is because, you know, my mindset is you can learn and work at absolutely anything. You know, there's so many things that we're all um, skilled at or that we maybe have natural attributes to. Maybe that be, you know, that we were surrounded by other people with them. Maybe that we were in a education scenario. It might, gosh, it could be so many different things. But most of the things that we get good at, we get good at because we apply ourselves. We, you know, we, we figure them out. We find a way and we find, you know, we find the solution for it. So for me, the fact that I've come from being a client and I've come from, you know, that lack of clarity and I've come from that point of, you know, my confidence not being where I wanted to be, my systems not being where I wanted them to be, uh, you know, my values, my goals, all those things, you know, that I've touched on there is that, you know, the mess that I've managed to um, come through at this stage is the message I can convey at this stage. What I do know is that there's way more messes to come. There's loads more mistakes I'll make. There's loads more challenges I'll face. And having that attitude of, you know, let me find a way. Let me find someone else who knows a solution that I don't currently know. Let me find someone with the expertise that I don't have and keep learning and keep growing. So they were the reasons why I decided to get off the sidelines, uh, jump in, give everything a go. Uh, I hope that helps uh, people get to know me a little bit better and, uh, yeah, maybe understand a bit more of my thinking and uh, how I've got from being the side of the of the bench as the client. Uh, I'm really excited to be starting as one of the coaches in the HEW team. So my first solo uh, yak away into the podcast, Mike, uh, I uh, I would really love to get your feedback. Uh, if you're listening to, to this now and it's ringing some bells for you and you're thinking, you know, anything really, and you're thinking, I'd like to know more, I'd like to, you know, speak to Lauren, I'd like to speak to Helen, please get in touch. Uh, we're all over social media. If you type, type in HEW into your Instagram, into Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, we're all over the place. Uh, and obviously the website directly as well. Um, if you have enjoyed this, I'd love you to take a screenshot. Please uh, share it on your story. Tag me, tag HEW. Uh, and of course, if you have time and inclination, any iTunes reviews would be greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you so much for giving me your ears and your time uh, today. Have a brilliant day, whatever it is that you're doing. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.